Howdy, this is Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast, episode 130. I'm your host, Ed Moore. A variety of ways to get in touch if you want to send feedback. You can get me on Twitter at Teal Productions, Teal like the color, T-E-A-L. Teal Productions and Lords of Order both have pages on Facebook. You can leave comments there. You can email comments to the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on the website, bigtimenoise.com slash drfate, and go to the forums, justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net. Justice League of America, the first volume, 1960, issue number 82, cover dated August 1970, on sale date June 11th, 1970. The story is entitled, Peril of the Paired Planets, and this comes to us from Denny O'Neill. Scripting, uh, penciled by Dick Dillon, inks by Joe Giella, I believe is how it's pronounced. John Costanza is the letterer, and the cover artist is Neil Adams. Now, the cover shows on the left-hand side a head count, Superman, Batman, Flash, Black Canary, Green Lantern, Adam, and Green Arrow. Green Lantern kind of looks like Carmine Infantino, maybe? I'm not sure. It looks kind of odd compared to the Neil Adams cover. Now, those are all JLA Earth-1 people. And on the cover, we are shown that somebody, Superman of Earth-1, is saying whatever's crushing the Justice Society on their Earth is doing it to us on our world. And we have Flash, Superman, and Dr. Midnight of Earth-2 on a screen being crushed by these orangish bands with nimbuses of orange and yellow and white energy around them. And in the forefront, Flash, Superman, and Batman of Earth-1 are succumbing to the same feelings as those that are being crushed, captured on the screen. Setting the scene is Metropolis, Saturday afternoon, one of those summer days that puts peace in the bones and laughter in the blood. We see some kids down on the street, but up above, Superman is sailing through the air, crashing through the Daily Planet, crashing through other buildings, crashing through a steel-transmitting tower, a moving truck, until finally crashing through the ground into a subway um, track, falling through the hole onto a subway track and coming to a rest there. A couple hobos here, cripes, is he sick or something? And the other says, I don't know. We should contact the Justice League fast. We have some narration about how the satellite is circling in fixed orbit 22,300 miles, which is every time that it comes up during the satellite era, that's exactly what it says. Uh, We see that Hawkman and Flash are dragging Superman to what will turn out to be a hidden Thanagarian relativity beam that they use, beam unit, that they use to transport uh, rather than teleport, I guess. They don't teleport yet. They transport up to the satellite where the Flash, uh, excuse me, where the Adam and Batman are waiting and join Hawkman and the Flash in trying to figure out what's going on with the unconscious Superman. It's in the midst of this, Batman succumbs to some phantom stroking, uh, choking kind of force, and he falls unconscious leaving Adam, Flash, and Hawkman to try to deduce what is going on when arguably two of the smarter heroes in Superman and Batman are out of it. So they call for the rest of the heroes to come in 
including Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and Black Canary, that are on a leave of absence and can be found currently in the Green Lantern title. So, is that the um, cross-country traveling, the hard, hard-hitting hard heroes, hard-driving heroes, something like that storyline that's going on in, in Green Lantern right now? I don't remember Black Canary being with them, but she might have been. We then have a whole page of narrative uh, text telling us about Earth-1 and Earth-2 and the gulf between them and all that kind of stuff. Next story element is Red Tornado. There is one, however, who is not quite a member of either group and any group because he is not human. Not quite. Which, that's, that's not fair to say that's not why he's a part of either of the groups. He's not a part of either of the groups because of his own personal feelings, not because they have... Well, Red Tornado. This is where the Red Tornado belongs, in the cold of space, where nothing lives, including me. Who'd say a robot is alive? Certainly not the Justice Society. So actually, he's in space of Earth, too. Oh, they're kind enough, just like they'd be with a lost puppy. I've got superpower, intelligence, everything except humanity. One thing I wish I didn't have, emotions. And then he notices a big spaceship. Goes to follow the spaceship, but it shoots him with a pink-orange beam. Knocks him out and then brings him on board. We then have an ad for a model of the Navy's Sea Lab 3 underwater uh, experimenting station, laboratory. There we go. And you can also uh, win prizes by, I don't know, just entering a contest, I guess. On the spaceship, we have Creator Squared, which is in charge, and he is uh, talking to several of his minions. They have taken Red Tornado, Tornado aboard. They take the top of his head off, investigate, find out that he is a being that can be useful to them because this race, and they don't throw out a name here, has been contracted to build a new planet to their client's specifications. And to do that, they have to create elements. To do that, they need energy. To get that, it will cost two planets their existence. They have to destroy two planets, use the energy locked into the planets to build the new planet. Creator 2 says that his in instruments show that two proper-sized worlds coexist in different dimensions. We need but bring them together, bridge the vibrations, separating them, and the collision will destroy both and give us our energy. And so they're going to use Red Tornado to do that. They put a harmonizer plate in his head and set him loose. He will go to a spot exactly between the dimensions, and they're caught in an eddy between the void occupied by Earth-1 and that of Earth-2, like a magnet drawing them closer and closer, the Red Tornado rests an unwilling, unconscious instrument of certain doom. So he is the target that will draw the two worlds together, and thus two different can exist in the same space, and so they will subsequently destroy each other. These aliens will harness the energy to do what they need to do. Next is an ad page. Several models from MPC model company of uh, some weirdly souped-up cars. And then the bottom half is yet another set of coupons for Palisades Amusement Park in New Jersey, half a mile south of the George Washington Bridge. A, an amusement park free parking ticket, a free ride on the carousel, and a free ride on the whip. Meanwhile, back at Creator 2's ship, he says, I foresee only a single possible difficulty. 
There exists a number of natives with extraordinary powers. They know themselves as the Justice Society. And on the picture here we have a, uh, on the screen, we have a full picture of the Justice Society, including maybe someone here in the middle that I don't recognize off the top of my head. Hmm. This is on page 13 of the issue, uh, roughly 12 or 13. Uh, yeah, 12 or 13. Uh, I have thoroughly scanned them and discovered their individual weaknesses. I have incorporated countermeasures in these web snares you need, but use them in the normal way. Why, ask this humble medicant, will we need them? Possibly because five of you must journey to the planet's surface and plant these matrix correctors in specified places. These will ensure the proper type of explosions when the barrier sunders. So when the two come together, this will regulate and they will get the type of energy in the amount that they need. So the five medicants go off with these specially designed nets to take care of the Justice Society members that they may face. Basically one net per person because one person sets one uh, bomb let's say, and they just need one net to subdue whoever is coming after them specifically. Now, each net is attuned to 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 different JSAers. So one net can handle any one of 18 different sets of superpowers. That's pretty impressive. And uh, One of which is an android. So One of which is mystical. One of which is an alien. So, I'd, okay, cool beans. So they fly off the five medicants. We cut to Earth 2's Superman as he's giving Dr. Midnight a ride. Says it's not a problem to give you a lift. Um, your base is only about a thousand miles out of my way, which is only about four seconds. Dr. Midnight says, well, it'd be more except you have somebody, or it'd be faster except you have somebody in tow. So Superman notices the medicants, sets Dr. Midnight down and says, hey, one of these aliens that I see coming down looks like they're going to be coming down around here. So I'll put you here. You can take care of them. I will go after the other four and see what I can do. He's got a spot of time before they come down. So Dr. Midnight runs over to a nearby phone booth. What are those, you ask? Look it up. Look it up. It's what Superman used to change clothes in back in the day. Dr. Midnight gives a call to the JSA headquarters, well, actually to their answering service, to tell the rest of the crew what's going on with him. Superman then catches up with the nearest of these aliens, comes at him, thinking all oh, this net that he's flinging is not going to be a problem. The alien throws the net, capturing Superman, driving him into unconsciousness, and he falls from the floor to the pavement below. That is when Superman of Earth-1 collapsed. So now we see the connection. Dr. Midnight spies his alien coming down, starts some fisticuffs. The alien realizes, yeah, this isn't going to go my way. I need some help. Grabs his net, throws it around Dr. Midnight, and as Dr. Midnight is choked out unconscious, Batman of Earth-1 falls unconscious as well. Zooming by, the Flash notices what's going on and turns and tries to subdue this particular alien, being supervised by their leader, he tells Nugat and Carmeel to help brother Sue, who is the one facing the Flash. So two of the other guys that were going on their missions come to help their, their fellow medicant. And as the Flash is subduing the one, he goes over to try to untie uh, Dr. Midnight, the special net around him. But the two aliens launch their nets at Flash. 
He escapes them by vibrating and going underground into the subway. Sees uh, a little while, you know, down the street, pops back up. Sees that the nets are all entangled and everything and, and goes after the medicant who threw it. And in the process, he has a vision of the Earth-1 flash. And while he's trying to communicate or figure out what that vision is or whatever, the two nets sneak up on him and subdue him, thus also subduing Earth-1 flash. We cut back to a two-page spread of Red Tornado, and we see that as the two Earths are coming closer because of what they did to Red Tornado, people who live on one Earth are starting to be able to see through the ether uh, images of their counterpart on the other Earth. And we see images of like people but different styled differently in different walks of life, but they are the same individual, essentially just the doppelgangers on, on either Earth. The leader is watching as the two Earths are getting closer and closer. He's noticing that his men are having some trouble with the heroes of Earth 2. Uh, they are getting together now as a group, trying to suss out what is going on. Uh, we have Starman, Batman, Sandman, Johnny Thunder, Hawkman, um, another Snarman. Hmm, okay. Looks like Dr. Midnight, Wildcat, Green Arrow, Mr. Terrific, Dr. Fate, who uh, this is essentially his only appearance, really. Spectre and Wonder Woman all talking here, trying to figure out what's going on. Suddenly, Starman takes off. He, he doesn't want to sit around talking about what's going on. He, he wants to do something. Uh, we cut over to the satellite of Earth-1, the arrival of Black Canary, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern, giving Hawkman some grief for calling him in until he says, uh, well, you know, when Green Arrow, uh, when Superman, Batman, and the Flash all go down back-to-back, -back, uh, I, I tend to panic and, and call in some help. Adam says... He thinks he's, and that is Atom. I, I don't know. I didn't pronounce that very well. A-T-O-M. Atom. Ray Palmer. Says he thinks maybe he has figured out what's going on. He's been feeding news reports about people seeing ghosts into the computer and determines that whatever is going on has something to do with Earth 2. Uh, that's all Green Lantern needs to hear. He says, okay, I'll uh, go over there and see what I can find out because... Other methods are closed to them right now. The the two, apparently you can only, apparently the easiest way to cross over is once a year when the, the two dimensions are closest and at this one point the barrier between the two is the weakest. Otherwise it takes much more effort uh, to get across. So this is one of the times where it's iffy. It's not the perfect condition. So Green Lantern goes as he... Uh, of the ones that are available would probably be the most successful under those conditions. So he goes to try to do it, but he finds that the, the gap between the two has been plugged and he can't get through. So he goes back to the satellite and relays that on top of the other information that there is. And the atom uh, determines that there's a link between us and earth too. And Canary's like, well, and it's telling that Canary is the one here speaking up. Uh, for it. 
Adam continues with our biggest gun, Superman, out of action. We're in trouble. In fact, the world will collide. The worlds will collide in less than a day, and there's nothing we can do about it except wait for the last big boom, unless we can find and eliminate the link. So there's a link he has determined between the two worlds. Black Canary starts to believe that it's her. Isn't it obvious? I must cease to exist. I must die. Is her final plea in the final panel. Narrator tells us, thus the stage is set for a mistake, a mistake certain to cause the most monumental tragedy of all time. Will it come to pass? Only our next issue knows for sure. Half-page ad here for All-Star Western and The Witching Hour books on sale June 16th and June 18th. We have the letters page, which we are told that contains... Letters from Don McGregor, Scott Gibson, Steve Grabinski, Martin Pascoe, Jeff Jeff Ristein, R.L. Thomas, and Peter Town. So I've heard two or three of those names. Two pages of letters. An ad for the medieval and the space hard plastic figure sets. A an ad for uh, selling the all seasons cards and get a prize for how much you sell. An ad for more cards from Wallace Brown. Let's see, what are these? Everyone you know needs Christmas cards, and everyone loves Wallace Brown cards. So it's an ad for Wallace Brown cards. Then on the back of the book is an ad for more Hot Wheels cars. These have interchangeable body styles, so you can customize them and race them. The Hot Wheels factory. And thus ends this first installment of this team-up between the JLA JSA. Um, nothing quite as noteworthy as the others, you know, most recently the introduction of Red Tornado, the death of uh, Larry Lance, and the subsequent journeying from Earth 2 to Earth 1 of Dinah Lance. We find, uh, and, and the Red, actually the Red Tornado, I said the origin of, this is the origin of the uh, Earth 1 android Red Tornado, who is subsequently living on Earth 2. Dinah who was born on Earth-2, is now living on Earth-1. And uh, there are other, a handful of other superheroes that have been born and started on one Earth and migrated to the other. The Huntress, uh, I think Sargon the Sorcerer is one of those, a couple others. But other than that, there's there's nothing really of note more than what I spoke of. Um, disappointing that Dr. Fate didn't play a bigger part, but... As I have been covering these JLA, JSA crossovers, I thought I would just keep going with them, uh, regardless to a point of how much the uh, of how much Doctor Fate is in it. He does need to be in it, or I, I won't talk about it at all. And here he was in ah, two or three panels, maybe had four or five lines. So he was there, made an appearance. We covered it. Talk to you guys next week about. Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, issue number 83, the second part of this particular crossover. After that episode, we will take a break from the Justice League and be looking at a single appearance in a comic for episode 132. But first, we must read Justice League 83 and talk about it. We will do that episode 131 next time. Bye, guys.